Fifteen years ago, experts were still questioning when every household would have a personal computer. In 2020, it seems most people have at least two devices for their personal use. Even toddlers have one at their fingertips. Without a doubt, smartphones have changed the world. And that's for sure. I think when we're talking about smartphones, um, uh, they've almost become more than smartphones. They've just sort of become a part of our life. You know, I'm just thinking about even myself at home. Um, we have many devices in here. Everyone has a device. I have old devices. So um, in light of that, it's kind of amazing to see how smartphones have sort of taken over in terms of what we do and how we actually use it. They've become sort of this thing where they're ubiquitous, they're everywhere, and we need them. Um, that kind of leads into a little bit of the history. And, you know, it's, it's a kind of amazing if you really think about it, Mike, um, how things have changed in, I want to say a short period of time, um, I would say more, uh, it's it sort of changed exponentially. Um, you know, if we go into a little bit of a history of the mobile, uh, do you remember those big clunky <laughs> smartphones? Yeah, yeah, I, I called them, I, I, I remember a story years ago, uh, I was going to school and watching this uh, business person walk and they had this it was almost like a briefcase, you know, and it, it, it was kind of funny because, you know, they had this phone and this huge antenna and they're connected. And you're looking like, wow, that's cool. You know, yeah, I mean, we're not talking Star Trek cool, the little flip, which, you know, was a bit yeah. of a the tricorder uh, thing. Yeah. Tr there you go with the tricorder and that kind of flipping out. But, um, you know, we we're talking about a really big clunky devices and, um, couldn't afford one back then. I mean, I guess if you kind of look at the pricing, it probably was the same. But I mean, that was sort of the start. I wouldn't say it's a start, but that was really one of the points when, you know, things really became mobile. Now, we're not talking about smartphones. Um, we're really just talking about just giving you the ability to, to sort of make a phone call from anywhere. Um, at a dollar a minute, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she may be in line with some of our prices here, but you know, that's another story. We can always talk about that later on, you know, <laughs> um, but you know, you know, when I really, I don't want to call them smart devices, but you know, if you really start to think about it, do you remember pagers? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I remember um, doing a bit of a tech support and uh, I remember one of the devices I had, um, they gave me, um, it's kind of an odd situation, but um you know, smartphones were around at the time, or at least somewhat of smartphones. But um, I remember getting this pager and, um, you know, of course, you know, if you got a phone number that would kind of just blip across the screen saying, hey, you need to call this particular individual. And it's kind of funny when you think about it now, you know, you have this little device that's telling you, hey, you got a message. Uh, by the way, you need to go find a phone that you can call. From. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's it, sort of it like getting a text message, but it's a device that's particularly for one-way text messaging. There you go. There you yeah. go. I, know, I, I remember having to run. It's like, okay, somebody's called or texted me with this little yeah. phone number and having to run to find a phone now to call them back on. So, you know, it's kind of funny where we started from. But I really think the two big players um, – in terms of the actual market started was really with Nokia and Motorola. Uh, you remember some of those devices? Oh yeah. Big names. Well, back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were big names back then. Um, I, you know, the Nokia devices rock solid. <laughs> I had one of those first, um, uh, I had one of those Motorola 
uh, flip phones and they were big, big LED type screen with a big antenna mm-hmm. that came out. And, um, you know, you had one of those, you're kind of considered, Ooh, it's cool, you know, but, uh, it's kind of amazing to see where things have come from then. Um, if you kind of transition a little bit, um, uh, you remember that whole digital assistant market? And I mean, it's kind of funny. We're thinking about it right now when it comes to personal assistance and thinking that way back then we already were kind of jumping into that sort of, you know, uh, digital assistant market with, um, mm-hmm. you remember the two companies, Palm, starting with Palm and then Handspring Visors? I, I definitely know. remember Palm, Handspring, not quite ringing a bell, but there's probably a reason. <laughs> well, you know, it's okay. It wasn't that bad of a device, but really what the Handspring was is a copy of Palm. Um, uh-huh. You know, it's kind of what I would say, um, you know, if you couldn't afford a Palm, you can get a Handspring and it did pretty much the same thing. Um, you're right. Um, they were, you know, plastic devices, but I do, I had both of them. Um, they were good. They did what they needed to do. And there was a bit of an open market. Um, I honestly, it was quite amazing. I mean, we weren't talking about mobile devices in terms of making phone calls. We were just talking about digital assistance, but it's mm-hmm. amazing to see how that sort of morphed into merging both technologies together. Actually, if you even want to go back a little further, um, and now we're talking bleeding edge here. Um, and it's kind of funny when we think about it, when we talk about Apple, um, do you remember the Apple Newton? Oh, I definitely do not remember that. I think they just kind of got lost in time. <laughs> it, it, it did. You know, I, I found with the Newton in particular, um, Apple tried to go really too far ahead. You know, I, you know, the, you know, there's that term, they say bleeding edge. Well, mm-hmm. you know, they were just, they came out too early with a device, which eventually would have been needed, but it, you know, we're, it cost too much. Um, it wasn't perfect. And, um, let's just say it went the way of history where, you know, we remember the good old days of saying, Hey, Apple was one of the first ones there, but unfortunately it just didn't last. I mean, they have a few, let's be honest, Apple wasn't perfect. Um, we can always have another podcast where we talk about some of their other devices, um, what that did not do too well, but Hey, you know, companies do this, you know, sometimes they rise, sometimes they fall depending on where they are going. I mean, if you look at these devices, you know, they all had um, good intentions. Um, They were trying to bring um, certain uh, technologies to the market. They were trying to bring in the whole idea of uh, digital assistance and bringing them in. And they kind of paved the way for the entry of a big player, which I think we all know. I think even now people still know this name of this company that really pushed the edge of technology when it came to smartphones and that was research in motion hence our blackberries um and you know you have any opinions per se on that particular company i mean how what was your experience (laughs) with that company initially in terms of what they were doing and you know how they got into the business because let's be honest they really targeted that business market and they really grabbed it early yeah, I think uh, Research in Motion, RIM, BlackBerry, as they're known now, um, they try to do a lot of different things. I think mm-hmm. everybody was sort of inching towards the progression of where we are today. And uh, I think at that time, BlackBerry made the biggest leap 
to mm-hmm. get to where mm-hmm. we are. I mean, if, if you remember BlackBerry, BlackBerry was notorious for two things. Uh, and I always think in terms of user interface type of things. Number one, their infamous keyboard. Oh, and yes. that's the reason why so many of their users uh, are still probably using Blackberries because they need that, that, that keyboard. What users and, are we talking about here? <laughs> people who just need to feel the keys that qwerty keyboard right that's and uh, and uh, i guess when we talk about uh, other devices later on um when things start to go into touch screen that's mm-hmm. when people are like oh can i really deal with a touch screen because i have my physical keyboard here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the number two thing i remember about blackberries back then was that scroll wheel because you didn't oh, yes there weren't touch screens you you did everything by scrolling on this wheel on the side which mm-hmm. evolved in time but anyway um, i mean i i mean you know look i had a uh, blackberry i think it was a uh, blackberry torch i've had the bold i had a few different devices right. and um they're they're really great devices to use i mean i know some people had opinions about the blackberry torch i think the predecessor to that i can't remember the model name but it had somewhat of a touch screen it was a little bit um Right. I want to say like a haptic feedback, but it kind of had a bit of a feedback to it. But I mean, really, what what drove BlackBerry was not only the communication, but it was the email, the texting, all of that stuff that we're doing now. But um, it was sort of one of those things that was very important at the time. So they really owned that market. And um, I would almost dare say most people thought they were a bit unstoppable. Um they really had the business market and um, they really held on to it really tightly. But, um, you know, all good things sometimes must come to an end. And um, I remember, I don't know if you remember the um, the keynote that Steve Jobs did. And, you know, was, mm-hmm. he would go up there and uh, he always announced the new uh, products that they have. But I still remember him saying, there's just one more thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that screen came up with this. Um, device, which is, you know, you want to say it's changed everything uh, when it came to smartphones. Um, I mean, looking back at it now, of course, you know, it's like a smartphone like any other, but at the time it was a big, um, it was almost like a, uh, uh, an earthquake hit the actual industry. And uh, people saw this thing. It was like, I need to have it. Look what it can do. Um, there are apps on the screen. There's a touch screen. I can do all of these mm-hmm. different things. Now, I, I would dare say Research in Motion at the time, BlackBerry, I'm sure they were sort of like, eh, they don't know the market. They don't know our business. You know, they don't care about those things. But it's amazing to see um, what the iPhone triggered. Um, it, that shift away from BlackBerry um, and BlackBerry, uh, it, it's amazing what happened in only two years. Like, you got to think mm-hmm. about that. You have a market that you own. You have um, a huge market share, you know, compared to anybody else. And within two years, um, the adoption rate, everything has changed. Um, and that's the thing. It's knowing when to change and how to uh, adapt to that change. I think to sum up, I, and, you know, we're talking about BlackBerry. We peppered in a bit about iPhone, and I know we're going to talk more about it later. I think to sum up these changes, as tech evolves, as it gets cheaper, mm-hmm. um, basically that's when you're going for the higher adoption rate. Because, I mean, I think that's the difference between bleeding edge and leading edge. Mm-hmm. The bleeding edge is usually, it's out there, it's been, 
it's ahead of its time, but sometimes also being ahead of its time also drives up the cost as well. Mm -hmm. And not everybody will adopt it because, you know, you may be buying, um, let's say back in the BlackBerry days, a $1,000 phone. Mm-hmm. And people are not everybody can afford a thousand dollar phone, right? Like mm-hmm. a business person can. I don't think, even think phones were that expensive back then. And that's that's the I guess as we talk about Apple, uh, the mm-hmm. magical thing that they did, they made us think that thousand dollar phones are normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's amazing how the, that's happening. The the one thing that I've learned from mm-hmm. uh, BlackBerry and iPhone and all this. Um, you know, it, it isn't necessarily that the best tech is going to succeed. Sometimes it's about timing and how many people do adopt it. Like a good example is the gaming industry. Uh, mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, their target audience is kids. And when they need to ch- make changes and do design uh, upgrades, they need to keep in mind that their audience are generally kids or mm-hmm. young and younger audience so they need mm-hmm. to be able to take this cartridge or whatever it is and plug it in and it just needs to work mm-hmm. right uh, versus if you think about and i use this example a lot in the podcast accounting software very specialized somebody's got to sit down and actually learn how to do it but uh, let's talk specifics. Let's talk about Nintendo, for example, mm-hmm. big player in the market. And this name was kind of synonymous with reliability, fun games and continuity. And with each generation of hardware, uh, there'd be a new player that comes into the market. And some would throw in the biggest, baddest um, engines <laughs> into there. And What are you, what are you but, trying to say about my Atari Jaguar? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I had in mind. Um but, you know, eventually these kind of companies would disappear, just like the Atari Jaguar. They went extinct. And why? I mean, you, you have to think about it in terms of usability and what people are actually using. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, it was either software. Um, mm-hmm. And this was one common complaint in the industry at that time is that uh, game producers didn't want to make software or games uh, for different hardware because it was too hard to make software games for uh, the particular hardware or it was just poor usability and uh, that's why so much thought and money went into things like the user experience uh, plugging in a cartridge something as simple as that or the peripherals you know you don't have some complex weird joystick with too many buttons that's correct Um, Swinging the conversation back to BlackBerry and Palm, even if you're carrying a Palm, you're still carrying a digital camera, an MP3 oh, yes. player, and a phone to do the same stuff. That's uh, right. But in not my honest opinion, what killed it was actually the stylus. <laughs> because who wants to use a stylus <laughs> anymore? <laughs> oh, nobody uses I mean, I think sometimes you have that bit of a nostalgia of using that stylus and you know the different things you can do with it. But to be honest, it's it's a mute point now. Some people like that feeling of I'm using pen on paper, but ultimately, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I think we'll get into this later, the touchscreen made a huge difference for Apple. No, no, that's for true. And I think really it was about changing the game and what Apple um, really specialized in was knowing how to sort of changing the game. You think of the iPod, they started with music and they normalized the way we changed how we listened to our music. Then we came out with the iPhone. We figured, hey, 
let's come out with the same form factor and we reveal the iPhone. You can do, you know, make phone calls. You can do all of those things. Plus you can listen to your music. Then let's insert what's called the wonderful, the app store. Yes. The app store is where, you know, if you really think about it, they really push the tech forward because what they did is they came up with a common place for you to download your applications. They allowed developers to come in and by creating that app store experience, you have music, you have your phone, you have your app store, all of those items in one device. Um, and they really, what they did was instead of you walking around with your phone, your your MP3 player and all of these different devices, your digital assistants, they combined it into one device and they kept it simple. You know, I think about Steve Jobs in that sense. And look, I carry, you know, I have to support all types of devices, whether it's Apple or um, Android devices, but the one key thing I remember for all those years I've known Apple uh, in terms of their hardware and their devices, they've always kept the idea of keeping it simple. Um, I'm just thinking of a quote by Steve Jobs, um, and he said this. He said, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. It takes a lot of hard work to make something simple, to truly understand the underlying challenges and to come up with elegant solutions. And going on, he said, it's not just minimalism or the absence of clutter. It involves digging through the depth of complexity. To be truly simple, you have to go really deep. You have to deeply understand the essence of a product in order and able to get rid of the parts that are not essential. You know, so it really, it's, it's that keep it simple solution. You know, how do we strip this item down? keep it to its basics, but still give people what they need uh, in order to do what they uh, need to do during the day. Like killing the stylus. Yeah. <laughs> it's still on that stylus thing, eh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Apple, I mean, along with everything that you said, I think Apple did two things, right? Number one, um, just like your quote, they were saying that, you know, you need to strip things out and really understand mm -hmm things before you start to make these changes and simplify these things. It's not about mm -hmm. minimalism. It's about deeply understanding it. And I think the stylus is a deep metaphor for that because um, the one amazing thing it was to watch people starting to adopt the, the iPhone, the iPads, was that anybody, anyone from like a young kid literally toddler age to elderly person who was afraid to touch a computer for the longest time be able to pick up one of those devices and intuitively be able to tap on the screen and kind of make their way through it like he they, it basically removed that fear of having to deal with a tool and mm -hmm. basically said here's your finger you know how to use it you know how to to uh to i guess touch things to make things mm -hmm. happen so here here's this touch screen now and and uh use it to navigate the technology has been available before but miniaturizing it and allowing people to touch and see mm -hmm. would remove that one extra skill that they would need to use mm -hmm. uh, the other thing as you mentioned again with the the app store now apple sort of opened up the floodgates for a general user and software developers and anybody just with an idea to come in and develop something now of course um 
versus Android, which I think we'll talk about a bit later. They they have a little more strict rules, which is good because Apple mm-hmm. has a lot of control over what is on their hardware and uh, software that interacts with it. But I think uh, if we go back to our Nintendo example, it's about people wanting to develop things for it. And mm-hmm. uh, basically they opened up saying, you know what? Open house, go dump, come and take a look and make it your own. And mm-hmm. basically they given ownership to the users saying, create an app that works for you. That's correct. And I think, you know, when we look at that, I think it's, it's amazing to see how um, people have sort of shifted because I think the, the importance became create an app, uh, give me an app that can do this item, um, create an application that could allow me to um, make my day better, uh, create an app that allows me to have some fun or communicate or um, connect with another application. I think it was just that whole app store experience allowed people to sort of, or developers, sorry, to go in there and just come up with ideas. I mean, if you think about it um, in terms of the competition, and we won't spend a whole lot on this because I, I don't think it's actually even necessary to, um, they really pushed and changed things. You know, if you look back at those who succeeded and those who failed, you know, I'm never going to underestimate Android. I know we talked about uh, getting back to them. I mean, right. granted, look, let's say, you know, let's not discount the fact that there are millions of app android i shouldn't say even millions is yeah there's so many android devices out there um so we don't want to underestimate what google in particular has done with android um right now we're looking at a situation where there's literally only two players if you look at some of the things that some of the ones that failed and i think we both can agree um looking at some of those um companies that succeeded and failed it is surprising but in, in the same sense, it's not surprising because, you know, just like you said, um, with Apple focusing on the App Store and telling developers, go ahead and do what you need to do. Um, and previously you mentioned um, with developers not wanting to create mm-hmm. um, applications that are too difficult. You can see why some succeeded and some failed using your gaming um, analogy. Um you look at Android, we don't want to underestimate them. You look at BlackBerry, they were too slow to change. They had that market, lost it in two years, and they were too slow to change. We look at Microsoft. We haven't even spoken about Microsoft. And mm-hmm. what happened with Microsoft? They've been around forever. They're just like Apple, but they were late to the game. They missed it. They missed the boat. Um, you look at Firefox, and I know you don't laugh, Mike. I can hear you laughing there. Um, <laughs> I have something in my heart for Firefox, okay? And they came out yeah. with the Firefox OS, and I really, really wanted them to succeed. I thought maybe their focus on getting into markets where they couldn't afford um, these higher-end devices and getting it on cheaper hardware would have succeeded. But unfortunately, it was the right market, just the timing was bad. Right. Um, you know. And then if you look at even Samsung, who's one of the largest players on the Android side of things, you know, they even have an OS, which is still being used. It's used in most of their TVs. Um, but I guess really, if you really look at, I think it's Samsung uh, Tizen, 
it's great operating system. I think it's based on Linux, if I'm not mistaken, but they use it in their TVs. But I really think it's probably a lot of politics. Um, you know, it's probably a lot of how do we work a deal with Google? Because Google needs Samsung. Samsung needs Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so because um, in the end, it really is Apple that everyone is sort of, I don't want to say fighting, but they're really the big competition on that end. But it is amazing to see, you know, some of those companies that failed, especially BlackBerry, um, where you had this market share, you focused on security, <laughs> it was all about encryption. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's sort of amazing that now we've shifted, they sort of ended up losing uh, somewhat, I do hear they're making a comeback. Um, but we shifted away, you know, from the encryption and all the security. And now we're sort of an Apple Android world. And oddly enough, guess what we're talking about now security. <laughs> Yeah, it's, <laughs> and, and, it's, and what happened? It it comes back to that whole argument about um, convenience versus mm-hmm. you know uh, security, or just being mindful of what everything is or where everything's going. Mm-hmm. I and that's the whole movement between iPhones and BlackBerry. Uh, BlackBerry's bread and butter was corporate corporations, businesses, because of the security, because of that secure email going back and forth. But then, and if you even think about, um, say, governments as well, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like they were all using Blackberries for security. And I remember hearing on the news, the president or somebody at the time was saying, oh, how can I get an iPhone instead? Right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you're you're probably uh, transmitting state secrets and everything and you want to use an iphone which Mm. is probably not as secure Uh, but again it's that whole shift between convenience versus security and and that's that's to me anyway that's scary (laughs) yeah and, and and i think too if you look at um that whole shift you know and it makes me even second guess you know i i'm primarily uh i i i love to push android um but at the same time, and I, you know, I know people who love their Apple. They're, you know, it's very mm. polarizing in that sense. But I'll be honest, you know, um, if BlackBerry does make somewhat of a comeback and they really do stick to security and encryption and such, you know, I may even make that transition back if they provide something that really does well and tells you, you know, what's happening. There's such a concern, you know, in terms of applications. What are they using? I think we've talked about this in the past. Um, who's accessing the data, who's doing, you know, what are they doing Mm -hmm. with that information? And, um, you know, it it is definitely that, um, that balance between um, convenience and security, you know, uh, how convenient is it to use an app? How quickly can I get to the app versus what is it doing with my information? How is Mm -hmm. it transmitting that information? You know, it's almost kind of like, you know, if you really look at, you know, these devices, there's so much power in your pocket now. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, a lot of younger people, um, they don't even, I mean, I don't want to say they don't use desktop computers and laptops, but they can almost do everything they need to do from their phone. (laughs) And it's amazing what they can do. I remember looking back at PCs and you know, I was so excited to get my first 486 DX2. Oh, yeah. uh, there, goes, there goes the crowd laughing again. Um, <laughs> but I mean, for me, you know, I, I may be dating myself a little bit, but I mean, at the time we thought these were amazing. And then when the Pentiums came out, you know, I remember the reading out the magazines and 
you know, everyone talking about, do you know this Pentium, what it can do and how much, you know, how many, how much uh, megahertz it can run at. And it, it's amazing to see that these big devices are now in the palm of your hands, you know, mm. um, the types of things that they can do, you know, we're getting to using these devices for all types of things on the healthcare front, you know, uh, you know, NFC, digital IDs, all of these different things that you can do right from the palm of your hands. I mean, look at some of those trends. Like if Mike, what are some yeah. of the trends that are happening right now? Well, I think with all the trends, we have to give credit to things like Bluetooth and wireless connections. All of these things have kind of evolved with the phones and technology over time. I mean, uh, if you think about to your 486 uh, generation and the Pentiums, we didn't really consider a lot of wireless connections. Mm -hmm. um, and it's given so much possibility of all these different kind of peripherals that we can pair with mobile computers and basically leaving uh, endless possibilities uh, when you pair it with OS development. And that kind of goes back to the discussion about the, the app. Uh, mm -hmm. Sorry. And that goes back to the discussion with the, the app store and things like that. And that's why you see things like Fitbits and smartwatches. I mean, you're probably going to see at least one in four people with one of these. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're used to track things like heart rate and your sleeping habit. Add in temperature, blood pressure, height and weight tracking. And you've already covered like all the major vital readings that you need for most medical visits. So imagine walking into a hospital... So imagine walking into a hospital emerge and tapping your NFC-enabled phone to the nursing station. That pretty much shortens up your visit or your wait time mm -hmm. by like 10 to 20 minutes. Because yeah, that's true. you think about the triaging. You go in, you sign in, and they got to do all your temp and talk to you and find out your everything. You've already cut down all that time. Yeah, yeah, the efficiency... Um... You know, just thinking about that now and the way that you've put it, uh, it's amazing with the technology that's actually available. If we can actually use some of that technology, even when you're triaging and bring, you know, shorten the wait times, provide additional information, it, it, it will be amazing to see where we go with this. Yeah, and I think AI will play a big part in this, which is a whole different discussion. But mm -hmm. yeah, if even with right now emrs have the ability to do certain trend analysis uh so think about this in a waiting patient area uh you're beeping your nfc it's going to probably check that data it could probably check against like previous labs or previous um let's say it's a chronic condition that you have and uh detect any kind of abnormalities or abnormal ranges uh to give the doctors and nurses any kind of warning right there and then yeah and then this goes back to me saying and saying again um with all this technology we still have to be mindful of the ethics you know creators and people who are using it on mm -hmm. who has this data and what are they using this data for so imagine having all this information on your phone being able to tap it anywhere uh a funny creator could easily give that information to insurance adjusters which, good point uh, yeah that's a whole different yeah. topic <laughs> yeah it, i think i think the key thing is it's and it's going to be interesting to see where things go um you know you talked about earlier convenience you talked earlier about 
how quickly we're willing to sort of give up bits of information and app developers being able to create things that allow us to um, have that convenience. Um, you know, looking down the road to the future, you know, we're already talking about 5G and we already know what 5G, the types of speeds we're talking about. Yeah. Um, we're talking about smartphones and healthcare and how that all's fusing together. I mean, you can imagine a world, as you say, where you're walking in to a clinic and, you know, I think about some of the applications that I even have right now, you know, something as simple as a movie, um, you know, just to kind of mirror this where, you know, you order your ticket for your movie and then as you're arriving, it's asking you, hey, do you want to prepare this? Do you want to do this? Uh, you can have all of that done and ready. It's all right. Your seat is already done and ready for you to sit in. Um can you imagine taking some of that technology and sort of rolling it into the healthcare side and being able to get that information faster? Um, so, you know, you're talking about having that information faster, having these devices, which are now smaller. I mean, you even think about even um, not to promote iPhones, but you even think about, you know, the smaller iPhone right now and how much power is just in that iPhone, you know, they're just getting better and exponentially moving up and just taking that information and using it in healthcare for scheduling, push notifications, you know, task management, um, and even connecting those in the side with devices like tablets, you know, some of these devices. And I know we never talked about this today, but it is actually amazing. I found it fascinating to see that as small as these devices are, we now even have flip, we don't have these um, not flip phones, but we have flip phones with full screens. We have phones that have screens on the back and on the front that widen up to tablets. So you can kind of imagine, really, these devices are really becoming um, everything, you know? Um, what happens when you get to a point where you don't even need your computer? Everything is done from your device. So, I mean, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where things go. But, you know, do we need everything on a smartphone? I don't know, Mike. Well, I think that in 15 years, we've seen so much change, I think, with the, the power that we have in our pocket, these smartphones have given us so much opportunity to do so many new things, so many uh, convenient things. But at the end of the day, I think we still have to be mindful about security and protecting our own data. Um, the BlackBerry versus, and the BlackBerry iPhone migration is a great example that people easily sacrifice security to, for convenience. But at some point, I think that's going to come back to bite people. I think for sure. And I think that, you know, um, we really have to remind ourselves to not give up so much and remember to kind of really focus on that security. Just like you say, uh, convenience is great, but how secure do you want it? Okay. Um, in any case, um, this is a great chat that we had on smartphones. Um, thanks again. This is Manny. And this is Mike. Bye for now.